So a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were fasting as a church and, and believing God. I was talking to one of my mates about that the church was prayer and fasting. He's like, oh, it's pretty exciting. Our, our church does prayer and feasting. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in the wrong church. No. Anyway, a um, couple of things I just wanted to share with you that have come from that. Um, one of our ladies in the morning, she hasn't had connection with her son for, for quite a while now. And so when she was fasting, she was believing just that God would reconnect that. And then this week from Scotland, he gave her a phone call and they just bridge relationship and bridge connection. Um, another one of our people that are fasting for, uh, he's, he's had surgery recently where pretty much all his insides got removed, all his bowels and stuff, and just a whole bunch of bits and pieces just got removed. And I don't understand all the, the medicine behind it. Um, science only makes sense to me when you talk in, in minute particles or um, waves and stuff like that, or figures and maths. So... Anyway, so he had this removed. Anyway, his liver is disconnected from the artery, and so his liver should be dead. Um, but his liver is healthy and functioning, and somehow without blood getting to it. And the doctor this week called him um, his miracle man. And so that's pretty neat. I had someone this morning come up to me, didn't have a chance to write anything down yet, but his wife has been through cancer, going through chemo at the moment. And um, this week... She got another infection, ended up with golden staff in her arm and was about her um, platelet counts were dropped down to one, which means one... Now, one just sounds wrong for a white blood cell to be floating around your body, so I did some research. One actually means 100 billion per litre. So normally we have about 1,000 billion per litre in our body. So that's still very low compared to what it is. Anyway, so what it means is any infection she can catch. So she had golden staff. A day later, it was gone. And anyone that understands golden staff usually knows that that lasts quite a while in there. And so she's now home as well, didn't have to go into isolation after that. And so God's just moving in lives, and it's pretty exciting. We're believing for full healing on these people. But one of the things we were talking about and, and believing for was the best 2017 that we could have, or another way of putting that, is really a, a, a year of life. And, and Michael was talking about life at youth the other night and um, living life. And I just want to touch on a couple of things about that tonight. And let's just start reading Ephesians 2. And he made, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses or si- and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who in his rich mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And God raises up and seated us at the right hand with Jesus in heaven. I was trying to find before, you remember the BCF ads? Where, here's, here's Johnny. Johnny this week's been killing dragons with his mouse. That's not living, Johnny. Yes, is living, running around in boats and, and those ads. Except you can't find them on YouTube. Someone's taken this young boy in a third world country 
and then segued that into a BCF ad, and it's just not really cool and not right. Mildly amusing, but it's just not cool. And not, not, not there. But anyway, I won't show one of them, but the whole thing of like, we're living for the best life, and, and I, I just read this and I think of that. This is not living. This isn't living what we're after. This isn't sort of what we're chasing. I remember where, you know those things where you're just driving around, and you're like, oh man, if I could just get that. I don't know, you're having a rough day and you see, you're just driving down the coast or something, you see some dude running around in a boat or on a jet ski, and you're like, man, I just want to get that and, and be done with that. I remember when I was six, I'd never had tuck shop yet. Grade one of school, I'd had these friends, they got tuck shop all the time. And so as a six-year-old, I'm just there, just wanting tuck shop. And I remember looking down the, the list and it had this chalk pop thing, and I love chocolate. And so I'm just like, if I could just get one of these... My life is going to be complete right now. This is going to be the best thing ever. And so one day, must have been getting near the end of the year, I finally convinced my mum to get tuck shop. And I got one of these chalk pops. And I didn't know what to expect, but it came in the brown paper bags. And I don't, does that still happen at school? Do you like send away a box in the morning and they bring back brown paper bags? And there you go. And so I got my brown paper bag with my money taped to the outside with sticky tape. And you had to try and save that, that 20 cents that was on there, and I just felt rich. And so I got this thing out, and it was like this chocolate ice block, and I bit into it, and I spat the thing back out. It, it just tasted awful. I did not enjoy it at all, and I, I just, like, my little heart sunk, and, and I thought, this thing that was just life and was going to be the best thing ever just really let me down in that moment. There was this kid called Reese in our grade, and... Um, he always bugged everyone for their lunches, and, and so I ended up giving it to Reese to eat. In actual fact, this thing that was meant to be life to me, then my teacher came up to me, and he had seen what I'd done. He's like, are you sure you want to give that? Your mum's given you all this money for that and, and paid for this. And then he made me feel really guilty for it. And shouldn't we share it around with everyone to have a bite? You should eat that, your mum. And, and so this thing that was meant to be life for me actually turned into this whole terrible lunch hour. One of my worst times of grade one ever. <laughs> this, this ice block in there. But you know, so often we think, we think about the best thing, best life, the best thing that God could have for us. And we, and we start to list all the stuff. I'm like, oh man, that's it. I'm going to get my jet ski. I'm going to get, oh, I need 50 grand in the bank. I need to be driving around that, a brand new Hilux. I need, I need, and we start to list off all these things. Uh, people need to like me and, and not write naughty things about me on Facebook and we start getting this list together and all these things that we like and I just want to, and God wants us to have good things. He loves us. He's a good God. But is that really what God's best is for us? See, Paul asked this question at the beginning, really, and he says, you were dead when you were sinning. Before we actually knew Jesus, you were dead. And he asked this question, is sin really life? When we're living just for forgetting things, is that really living? And he answered, like, here's someone that would actually know. He was pretty good at sinning. He had it down pat. He, he knew how to walk away from Jesus. He knew how to actually find anyone that loved Jesus and chop their head off or throw stones at them. He, he, was, he was really good at it. And so he knew what he was talking about. And Because and, he understood this. Like when we're just doing stuff we want and just running around with that, he understands that it affects us, but most of the time it also affects others. When we walk outside God's plan, it affects us, affects others. And most of us want God to, be, to come in judgment. 
as long as it's about everybody else's sin. For me, he has to show mercy. But for everybody else, the justice and judgment of God has to come. Well, you sort of sit there and want that and desire that. But is there any life in that? And then we get to this part that he writes, but God, while we were sinners, but God took initiative, but God came as Jesus in that point, and by his great mercy and his massive love made us alive in Christ, even while we were still dead in our sins. Now, I've heard people say this about why Jesus came and why God came to save us, that Jesus came because God looked at creation and looked at you and me and he went, wow, there's potential in that person. You know, that Steve's all right. He could actually do something if I came into his life. He might actually make something of himself if I, if I came and, and did something with him. And so because of that, Jesus is going to come and, and rock up and, and I, he's going to die and just make it all right. And I've, I've heard people talk like this and, and preach like this, that God came and Jesus came because of the potential that we had and that we could be something amazing for him. I think they missed something in Ephesians 2 there. By his great mercy, rich in mercy and his great love, we were dead in sin. Now, it's got nothing to do with any potential. His salvation for us has got, his making us alive has nothing to do with us or our potential or what we could actually be. There's only one reason because he actually loves us. Because he actually cares about us. Because mercy is absolutely massive inside him. And it all started with him and, and has nothing to do with us at all. There's this word that comes in which is really grace. It's by grace we've been saved. You know, grace is one of those things that I think a lot of us don't know, know what to do with. I think like when you get a present, I'm, I'm really bad when people give me presents. I'm not, I'm not good. My wife tells me that I need to get the poker face of presents better. Because when someone gives you a present, they want to watch you open it. That is the most scary time in all existence. Someone giving you a present and sitting there watching you open this thing. Because you know what they're expecting you to do. You, they want to hear, oh, wow, this is, you knew exactly what I, I've always needed one of these. Oh, how did you actually know? God just gave you revelation of what my deepest need was in my world, and you have just met that right there. Whereas most of the time we unwrap it and look at the thing and go, wow, and, and just trying to bias ourselves a couple of seconds to compose the shock factor that actually goes on. It's amazing. That's so cool. And, and um, I showed a clip this morning. But essentially from the castle, that's going straight to the pool room. That thing's just all... Like, I don't know, I get given stuff, I don't even know what half of it does. You know, like, it gives, what do I do with this thing? That's really neat. That, that's awesome. We do this, um, we've done this thing with our... We did this thing with our elders for a while where we played Secret Santa and stuff like that, and we had like this limit of $10. So Susan and I, we started um, doing more fun things and buying plink flamingos and, and like these metal cows and just these random stuff. Because you'd get a water bottle 
or something like that. It was just like, that's cool. That's great. I've, I've got one of them. <laughs> but you've got to look excited. And, and, but I, I really think that a lot of the time when we grab grace and when God pours grace into our lives, it's just like opening one of those presents and we go, this is really neat. But we don't actually know what to do with it. There's a whole bunch of definitions for grace, like a grace period on a loan, meaning that you don't have to pay the money back for a while or, or saying a prayer before a meal or uh, someone dancing with grace and, and great poise in that. But really it comes down to this, and, and we, we say it like this, the, un, the unmerited favour of God at Christ's expense. And so we get this thing of grace, and God has saved us by grace. And we go, that's awesome! You, and so we, 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 we first engage with this, and so, okay, God saved you. Oh, that's really neat, so what do I have to do for it? Nothing. You mean all my sins are forgiven? Anything that I've done wrong, God's just wiped it out. Yeah. That's a sweet deal. And so what some people do, they get that and don't know how to handle the gift, so they grab it and go, this is neat. How's your week been? Oh, that's, it's been awesome, man. I've hooked up with three chicks and um, we got high the other night. It's fantastic. But, but aren't you a Christian? Yeah, yeah, but God's grace is just there and he just wipes it out. It really doesn't matter what I do or how I live because God is gracious. And we carry this thing around and just not fully know what to do with it or how to handle it. We're alive in Christ. And, and then we get these things of going, oh, that's awesome. God has saved me. He's wiped out all my sins. Now, okay, now I've got to show him that I'm worthy of that. Because he wiped all my sins out yesterday. That's okay. But now, God, it's okay. I've got it from here. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all the things that it says. And, and I'm going to be a good boy from now on, not sin, so you don't have to worry about me anymore. It doesn't have, we're going to, I'm going to make sure you don't have to actually hurt anymore, and, and grace doesn't matter anymore. It's done its one-time thing of saving me, and now I'm good, and now I'm going to live for you. And, and we take it the other way, and then we just go, no, that's wrong, and we want to put rules around it. But as soon as we put rules around grace and say, no, grace works when you, all of a sudden it's gone, and grace is non-existent because... Grace doesn't have rules. Grace is a person. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is the one only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus is grace. Jesus is grace. And the only way to fully handle grace is if we can look into the eyes of Jesus and understand it. It is in his grace that he has just given us life and set us free. What does life look like? Life looks like a life that is free from sin and able to live the plans of God. That's what life looks like. Our year next year is going to be the best if we can just do and live how God wants us to live. It's going to be the best ever. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. But we only know how to handle grace when we look in the eyes of Jesus. See, I have this amazing wife that's sitting at home at the moment and um, looking after young kids. Now, I know she loves me. 
I know that she forgives me for all the stupid things I do. She's really, she's really full of grace. She just is absolutely amazing and, and forgives me for all the dumb things I do and say. And um, I had this random dream the other night that um, it was just one of those scary nightmares where you're just in the middle of the night, it just feels real, that she's like, I'm just going to leave you now. I'm done. And I'm like, no, and I wake up and... <laughs> Are you staying? Yes. Why would I go anywhere? I'm like, oh, wow. Even all the dumb things I do, you still say that. So I know that Suze loves me. She's going to forgive me and she cares about me. I can look into her eyes and I can guarantee this. Looking into her eyes and thinking that, there is not once I have ever thought, you know what? I'm going to go out and just hook up with someone randomly because I'm going to come home and she loves me and she forgives me anyway. Look at this all sorted. That, that's fine. There is no worries with that because she's just going to forgive me anyway. And yet we think that's how God will work. But if we can look into Jesus' eyes like we would someone that we really love, all of a sudden grace makes more sense. Thank you so much for your gift, Lord. But this is how I'm going to respond to you in that. You know, um, one of those things of I just where it applies and who it applies to and how far it goes. Like, because one day Jesus is just walking into a town and and pretty much the rock star of the town sits there and goes. Something's going on here. I want, I want to see him. And um, when I say rock star, he'd made himself a big deal. He'd got there. Like Zacchaeus at one point, he's a, he's a tax collector, so he's, a, he's pretty crooked. And um, essentially, if we were to say today, he's a nightclub owner. And um, I think on the front page of the, the Sunday Mail today or, or somewhere in there, they were talking about one of the nightclub owners. So he, he owns a, a chain of strip clubs, essentially. And Jesus is riding into town. And Zacchaeus started... It says he's the chief's, chief tax collector there. So he started as an apprentice, then he became a tax collector, and then he's become a, a chief tax collector. And so he's in there, and he, he's got his chain of nightclubs going on, and, and everyone knows of him, and everyone knows he's just going to rip them off whenever they see him. And so he, Jesus is riding into town, and, and he's like, man, I just want to catch this guy and catch a glimpse of him. And no one's letting him in to see where Jesus is. And so he climbs up this tree and looks down, and Jesus stops under and goes, hey, you. We're going to go have a meal together. And so he goes off to his, his house and gets a meal together there and they start eating. And I wonder what actually happened at the meal. We don't actually get sort of a commentary of dinner with Jesus. But I think that would be pretty cool. And I don't know, Most of us think, oh, Jesus sat there because at the end of it, Zacchaeus has this amazing transformation where he says, that's it, I've robbed some people and ripped them off, so I'm going to pay them back four times the amount that I've ripped them off. I'm going to pretty much sell everything I have and, and, and give it back to people. He had this transfer. And so we thought, did Jesus sit there and, and give him this like five-hour lecture? I know exactly what you've done and start prophesying all the people that he'd ripped off and listing them all out. I, I really don't think that's what happened. I think Jesus sat there and listened and engaged with this person that nobody would love. And in the midst of that, grace happened and transformation happened out of relationship. And... Oh, that we would be like that. We, we dedicated um, uh, Jonathan Elvery this morning, which was really neat. And presenting to God and, and Justin and Danny are there just 
just saying that. This is, this is God's gift to us. This child is God's gift to us, and, and we recognize that, and we want to help him just grow into the fullness that he can be. But we know that he's not our own. We know that he's a gift from God, and we know that we're just, we're just looking after him for this time and helping him nurture into that. And one of the things in the midst of all that that we, that we discussed was the, the fact that it really comes down to the best way to do that is actually relating, actually being in relationship. And, and we set rules and we set boundaries with kids, but the thing that keeps coming back, in Deuteronomy it says this, impress, impress the commands of God onto the children. Press them onto their hearts. And how do you impress something on someone? You relate. And all day, I just can't get this, this out of my mind. The, the fact of relating is, is the part of the kingdom. And the relating is the thing that, that needs to happen in amongst. And we, we've been talking about how to see a generation rise up um, with the fullness of God and see a generation and connect between generations. And, and it's just about relating in both ways. And letting the hope of, hope of Jesus come into that. And, Father, we just want to come before you tonight and just been discussing some, some bits and pieces here of what life looks like, and we just want the fullness of that. And Lord, we know that there's nothing we can do because you've actually given it to us. Lord, there's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can actually do to, I, I guess, grab it, other than position ourselves with you and next to you. Because you just want to pour it all out on us and we just want to follow what you've got. We don't want to hold on to this world. We know when we look at you, Jesus, Lord, in the midst of your eyes, there's this absolute love and mercy that covers everything we've done and covers all the guilt and shame that we feel and all the things that we feel will bind us up. And Lord, when we look at that then and look even deeper into your eyes, we recognize, Lord, that there is... Lord, the only way to respond to that is, is to actually, I guess throw grace back to you and go, we just want to follow where you want us to go, Lord. So tonight, we just want to say that again, Lord. We just want to be where you are and be doing what you're doing and be walking where you're walking, Lord. And the musicians come and just worship a bit and I guess really let the, the grace and mercy of God just rest around us and, and, and soak into us. And if you want prayer, grab someone with that. They'll pray with you. Uh, if God's stirring some stuff on your world and life. And, 